0: God the Son and God the Holy Spirit in the name of the one who was, who is, and who is to come. I greet you Good morning saints good morning sinners andrew we 've got the majority here I think today uh, it's, It is good to see Andrew Colhoun and his family here today too andrew 's uh, one of uh, uh, your mentors, I guess John o um, so he 's here to check up on you and i 'm preaching so that 's cool. Um, that was a good deal we did, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, look, um, this, uh, on the next slide, I've seen this painting actually in uh, the Art Gallery uh, of New South Wales. You can make it out there. Uh, it's called From a Distant Land and it's an early work of an Australian artist called David Davies. Um, and here in, the p- in, in his, this uh, painting, you can see a man who probably has been disrupted by a letter and maybe news from afar. Uh, it's a darkened room and a door opens out into the glaring sun of the Australian um, bush where it could be that the postman maybe uh, is riding off into the distance. I wonder what news it is the man is reading. I wonder what it, uh, who it's from. Where is it from? What is this communication about? In the midst of maybe a routine morning, uh, it has disrupted him. It is causing him to wonder, to ponder. To contemplate, to consider, uh, some sort of responsive action, maybe to what uh, information he has received from this correspondence. I'd invite you to, uh, if you'd like to, to hold that image in your mind as uh, we uh, meander through a few stories today. So most of which would be quite familiar to you. It is a rather one-sided conversation, but that's the way sometimes it is. We can talk over coffee later. Uh, Years ago, I had a dream. There I am. Years ago, 1973. uh, It's my 21st. uh, And I had a dream that I would be the youngest manager of the Bank of New South Wales. Um, That was my dream. For those of you who um, don't know or who are too young to remember, the Wales is what Westpac is now. I don't understand why they would call it Westpac. The Bank of New South Wales is a much nicer name. It was founded in 1817, the first bank in Australia. I still remember the propaganda. Uh, And uh, it's the second oldest uh, organisation in Australia. There's only one that's older, and that's the Bible Society. That's interesting, isn't it? And so that was my dream, to be the Wales' youngest manager. And then God disrupted my plans. And the rest of the story... Is part of my personal history. I wonder what it must have been like for Abram, uh, who became Abraham. You may have picked up uh, on other times when I've been here that that Abram slash Abraham is one of my favourite Bible characters. But there's so little information about him, it's rather annoying Uh, in the text. I'd like more background to him. Uh, I'd like much more. I'd like to read um, from the text anyway. There's lots of people who've written stories about Abram who became Abraham. Uh, But I'd like to have a little bit more information than is there in the text. But such as there is there suggests that Abraham was living quite a satisfied life notwithstanding the cultural embarrassments and the shame of the childlessness of the marriage of he and sarah who later would become sarah but they they did have some kind of special relationship with abram's nephew lot they were safe and they were secure in their own country among family living within a family compound speaking the same language Uh, it was um, they were sharing the same culture there was a sense of okayness everything is good i guess life was neatly planned out for Uh, an inheritance followed by a life, all good, even though actually they were probably quite stuck. And then God disrupted those plans in a dramatic promise for a child and a nation. Uh, And the rest of the story, which you can read about, of course, in the text and in Genesis, uh, is history, but it is central to the narrative of the three monotheistic religions of the world. really important story. And then there's Moses, uh, a fugitive slave. Some have described him ha- as an asylum seeker, if you will, a refugee. He had a personal encounter with God in a burning bush. How bizarre! When did it happen to you last? Ooh, quite strange. A Hebrew by birth, he was set adrift by for fear of persecution. He was saved from the water by a prince. A prince of Egypt, it might have been some about that somewhere uh, and then as an adult and maybe beginning to sense or discern his true heritage he sought justice for his birth people he spoke up for his birth people thus causing a lot of trouble am i going flat or is it just the battery <laughs> i saw that red light before i was wondering whether i should have worried about it when i stood up here should i have uh, is it ticking pardon is it ticking pardon thank you for saving my soul my voice i should say my voice and and he became this person for justice um uh, moses for his own people he caused quite a little bit of trouble uh in this country of adoption of uh, egypt and then he fled that country's dictator and from those who had become his family and he turned into a farmer and he married the boss's daughter and um, started his own family and uh, despite again living in a strange land, life looked pretty well sorted uh, for Moses, even if though he was actually quite stuck. And then God disrupted those plans in a burning bush and other episodes. And the rest of the story, which hello, and the rest of the story, uh, which you can read about in Exodus, um, is integral to the Judeo-Christian narrative. Quite central to our faith. And then of course there was Peter and Andrew and James and John and Matthew and, a f- and fishermen, some fishermen, a tax collector, a political rebel, an accountant uh, and others too, a hemorrhaging woman. An adulteress, a prostitute, a leper, a blind man, the dead brother of two female friends. Later still, there was an expert and rather eloquent prosecutor of um, religious law who was busy persecuting those who thought differently, particularly those who were choosing to follow the way of Jesus. And Saul, who became Paul, uh, Saul at that point, and each of these others were stuck in their own way. And God disrupted their plans. And the rest of their story is history. Uh, And it forms a vital part of the narrative uh, that is the central hinge, if you will, of human history that's centered around the life, the death and the resurrection of Jesus and the arrival of his kingdom here on earth. And the God of the gospel, we are told, bursts into the world most unexpectedly, like in a baby in Bethlehem and like God in human flesh dying on the cross. Like in Jesus rising from the dead. Like in medicine and in education and in printing. Disrupting human plans. Disruptive to human dreams. Disruptive to human expectations. Disruptive to human cultural normal behaviour. Don't you love this disruptive God? I'd like to invite you... Yeah, I know... I know. I'd like you to invite you now, just for a minute or so, turn to someone nearby. Have you ever been disrupted by God? What's a God-disrupting you story? Just a sentence or so that you might like to share with somebody next door. If you're next to your husband or wife and you'd like a new voice, feel free to move. Um, But otherwise, if you could share a story, just for a moment or two. Okay, thank you for that. Um, You may choose to continue that conversation over coffee in a little while. We may prefer, of course, judging by the odd kind of shake of head or shudder that I did see through the uh, 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 people this morning, we may prefer, of course, that God might be different to that than being disruptive. We may prefer, of course, a domesticated God. A tame God, a God that we can control, a small G God instead of a big G God. One in whose presence we can feel comfortable all the time. One who maybe we make in our own image rather than the reverse. And of course, the God of the gospel and the entire biblical narrative is one who does comfort the disturbed. But he also disturbs the comfortable today could be one of those times so from all of the stories that i've briefly mentioned and many more not mentioned i have just two stories uh to tell a little bit about now they'll be familiar to many of us uh here uh, in our seats today um familiar in our mind as much in as in our seats i guess but uh that was a strange juxtaposition in that sentence wasn't it um story one uh, in the reading from Luke five that we had read to us before, we, we heard about how Peter and his fishing mates were exhausted by a night on Galilee, the sea uh, that didn't produce a catch, and they met Jesus. And people who were chasing a Messiah who liberates were crowded around this unusual carpenter turned preacher and healer. And Jesus saw the crowd, and he saw a world of similar people all through the ages. Through looking through those people, he saw all of the all of the others beyond them and. Out of his reach and and using the fisherman's boat as a pulpit, he tells his story. And then this disruptive God in the flesh invites the fishermen to push out and to fish in in deeper waters. This challenged their complacency after all, their stuckness, if you will, because uh, they were know-it-all fishermen. They knew where to fish and this carpenter was telling us to go into another place. And, of course, this also symbolizes the fact that they'd caught no fish is an interesting little side point, isn't it? Um, indeed. And, and, of course, this process symbolizes Jesus' call for them to, to quit being the learned. Ones, the smart ones, if you will, to get unstuck, to change their jobs and to become learners or disciples rather than the learned ones become learners and to help him in the liberation of people from their true afflictions by comforting the disturbed and disturbing the comfortable all at the same time, sometimes. And Peter is overwhelmed in the presence of Jesus. Just completely overwhelmed by this Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, God in the flesh. And of course, he must have been overwhelmed also by the great catch of fish, which would have blown him away completely. And it was only when Peter arrived at a point of a willingness to give up, of emptiness, of the need for a fresh start, that Jesus then said, go deeper go deeper into the waters in faith entrusting trusting his vision for their life and this encounter also pushed its participants out of certitude and safety and and uh, just knowing everything that security of and of well-being in the work and job that you knew and pushed them forward into new and unknown missional adventures uh, That set the tone, of course, for authentic Christian followership ever since, where first of all we meet Jesus and then we move out in, in missional Christian living as a sign, foretaste and witness of the kingdom. And then over time, a shape of church or ecclesia. Uh, church community will emerge that's right for the neighbourhood in which those followers are located. It may not be right for the followers in another neighbourhood where others are located, but it's the community that needs to be where they are located. Here is the disruptive God at work. Story two. In Psalm 126, uh, the first verse concludes, we were like those who dream." We were like those who dream. The people of God had earlier been instructed to put their roots down in this strange land of Babylon with its different culture, with its foreign language, its alien religions, and its crazy-tasting food. And these instructions came with a promise that the disruptive God would at some time in the future visit them and bring them back home. And maybe he would do that just when they were most comfortable where they were. Stuck in their new surroundings in the meantime their plaintive heartfelt tearful cry was how long O lord how long must we wait how can we sing the lord's song in a strange land and the words in the psalm 126 form part of the lyrics of a song that the people of god sang when they would finally make their way back to the future back to jerusalem after being in exile uh, in a strange land uh, that very weird territory, but it was back to a different Jerusalem, and because of their experience in Babylon, it was a very different group of unstuck, unstuck, pe- unstuck. Did you hear that? Unstuck people who were returning to the city that it was totally the same and totally different, all at the same time. And this phrase, "We were like those who dream." One commentator puts it this way, it leaves us with a call to be like dreamers, those whose lives are shaped not by the limits of our experiences, but by the hidden reality of what God has already declared will be. Ah, the disruptive God at work again. And so now some questions for you, for each of you personally actually today. Often when I come along here, um, I just in case you are stuck in any way, I have some questions for you today. Often I will come and talk about things that have to do with community and uh, church, but it's today. It's a personal question. If you are stuck in some way or another, are you like those who dream? Are you open to push out into deeper waters? Are you willing to be disturbed and at the same time strangely comforted by the presence and the power of this disruptive God? Are you stuck? Are you stuck? And if so, what are you prepared to let go of in order to be unstuck? What might you need to stop? so that you can start, or do even better, at living God's dream for the world. Uh, one of our senior ministers at Discovery last Sunday morning uh, preached in her sermon, um, we're having a series about stuck and unstuck, hence some of my thinking, of course. And I've basically ripped this next bit off Jody. Um, i've acknowledged that and so i now give it credit i've already spoken to her about it and she said go for it so it's all good in her sermon last uh, sunday morning jody suggested that there are some common triggers of becoming or being stuck Um, and if you feel that you are stuck it's possible that you may identify uh, with one or more of these i hope you can read that red there can you read them i'm going to say them anyway shame can cause us to be stuck. If we hide from part of our story or if we disown part of our story, timing is another when we mess with God's way and his timing we go our way on our timing that can cause us inevitably to be stuck in our way which we think is the best way because we're the learned ones we know where to catch the fish distraction (laughs) losing sight of our purpose or our why our reason for being distraction settling for less settling for less quite simply than god's best That can make us stuck. Our character. If our internal and our external growth and integrity has stalled in some way or another. (laughs) Rather obviously, disobedience. Deliberately ignoring or disobeying God's way for you. Not someone else's way for you, or not God's way for someone else, but God's way for you. All those other things get played into sometimes. They can make us stuck too. So shame, timing, distraction, settling for less, character, disobedience, fear can cause us to be stuck. A lack of wisdom or courage or a ca- capacity to see beyond or to listen to the best voices to be able to see beyond where we currently are fear. And again, rather obviously, offense or unforgiveness. If we're not willing or able to let go of hurts. When I uh, concluded in local church ministry quite a few years ago, um, it didn't end that well. Um, And it was easy to be a finger pointer in times like that, but it's so much better to take a stance of learning. And with the encouragement of some, I decided to take a stance of learning and not a stance of finger pointing. And just a couple of incidents and a couple of people and our, my interaction with them created tension that was significant, a significant contributor to that conclusion in that local church. And I remember uh, my wife and I going down the street after that last Sunday, preaching a pretty good sermon, but anyway, going down the street to have lunch together. And as we walked down, I said, you know, I've already had a chance to f- clear the air with person X. And I hope that I'm going to be able to clear with person Y as soon as possible. And it was within weeks that I bumped into that person uh, in in the shopping centre at Doncaster and we sat down in the food court, which is such a salubrious place to have these conversations. (laughs) And it only took a sentence either way to clear the air, to get rid of the offence and to forgive each other. It, It was able to, I was no longer stuck. Those words up there, and maybe that last one, are ones that really can impact on us in our personal development, in our social and community development, and most of all, in our spiritual relationship with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I repeat, what might you need to be prepared to let go of in order to be unstuck? Maybe today there'll be an opportunity to talk to somebody about that. There'll be opportunity for prayer up here at the conclusion of the service. It might even be in a very relaxed, casual conversation over coffee or tea or whatever out there. It's important if there's an area where we feel stuck and we feel that that's been indicated to us today that we do some work on it so that tomorrow we wake up and we're not stuck. And we can therefore have clear air in all of the ways that we seek to be a sign, witness and foretaste of the kingdom where God places us Monday through Saturday. Could I invite you to stand? Please. It's okay. We're going to sing a song in a minute. But I'd like us to actually conclude with the words of a prayer. You know, the, the, there's five slides up there. Uh, we'll get to, I should say. But uh, let us say this prayer together. I invite you to join me in the saying of this prayer. Uh, as we conclude this part of our time together are we ready to go okay gracious generous god we thank you that the future is stronger than the past salvation is stronger than sin forgiveness is stronger than bitterness reconciliation is stronger than hatred resurrection Light is stronger than darkness, that hope and imagination to be in... even people like us, still working through our stuckness, we ask you therefore to continue to empower us to always be willing to move on, to be letting go of things we should hold lightly and hanging on to those things we need to hold tightly, looking backwards and inwards when we really need to, but being propelled upward and outward by your call to a future where we can live. Daily and gracefully connect with these people who are your people, but have either forgotten or who haven't heard before that they are your people. And thus, becoming together what we believe you want us to be a people of God gathering in and around the central figure of Jesus Christ, empowered by. Nothing like being made a little bit uncomfortable. But we serve a great God, an amazing God, who we know we can trust in, who is faithful. And we're going to celebrate how great...